Next on BYU Sports Nation, all access with a BYU basketball legend. We're two-on-one with the Jimmer. NBA locker room talk with the Sacramento Kings guard. What does he think about BYU basketball this season? Plus, if you could hang out with any of your BYU heroes, who would it be? Revisiting expectations for Cougar hoops as they stare down the final nine regular season games. And the head coach of the Pacific Tigers gives us his team's scouting report. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hello, Tuesday. Greetings from Provo, Utah. BYU Sports Nation back to work on January 28th. I'm Spencer Linton. Jerem, don't call me Jerome Jordan you to my me, right. You can call me Jerome. I answered that to that. Fine, Jerome. Wherever and however you may be listening, great to have you with us. So we played Big Deal, No Deal yesterday. No deal. And I was wrong, Jerem. Mark this down. I do, every time. BYU men's volleyball <laughs> is a big deal outside of Provo, Utah. The voters have taken notice in the latest AVCA rankings. BYU up to number four in the poll, jumping three spots after decisive wins over Stanford and Pacific. The Cougs can climb even closer to number one with victories at Pepperdine and USC this week. Easier said than done. Big matches. Really big matches on the road. Now it's on, baby. Matches seven and eight in MPSF play. Pepperdine number three in the country. USC number five. So the team's just around BYU. Bring it! Jimmer Fredette back in Utah last night. The Sacramento Kings guard scored eight points on four of eight shooting in a loss to the Utah Jazz. I love how polarizing he is. It's so weird. Fans in Salt Lake City continue to boo him whenever he touches the ball. He He's about to check in. <laughs> but when he scores, he gets noticeable support from Jimmer Nation in Utah. That's how you know you've had an impact on a community. Fun to watch him play a game. Like, he created so many great memories for BYU fans, and apparently so many nightmares for opposing fans. Why would you boo the guy? Why would a kid in BYU, uh, you know, a Jimmer jersey, just get booed when they're on the big screen and so like, I know it's not the jazz, I understand that part, but it's just so funny, like, <laughs> you're in Pac-12 country, so we're going to boo you. <laughs> not, not Utah Ute country, but Pac-12 country. Not every BYU player dropped 45 47. 47, that's yeah. right, including two more a, a half-court three-pointer to give him 30-plus in the first half. We'll leave it at that. It, that's funny. Join our conversation by using the hashtag BYUSN, that new hashtag all about giving BYU fans a way to link up across BYU Sports Nation whenever, wherever, you can always have a voice. We have an all-access two-on-one with Jimmer, as I mentioned. What was the first thing he bought after signing an NBA contract? Or what was his welcome to the NBA moment? And what does he think about BYU basketball 2014 edition? That interview hits in about 20 minutes. Jimmer and Jerem renewed a friendly acquaintance. No, seriously. Here's one of the more memorable morsels from that conversation. I saw the story about the kids that knocked on your door and you played pickup with them. If, if we knocked on your door, would we be able to play pickup with you? <laughs> I don't know, Jerem. You would have to uh, be as good as those kids. So I would have to test you out first. But uh, no, it was a fun, fun thing. You know, those kids were, were good kids and uh, we had a good time. So come over anytime. <laughs> I would own those kids. So, yes, I could go over anytime, right? You got invited to Jimmer Fredette's house. So I got invited to his house. Whitney, I hope you prep a snack or something. It made, <laughs> it made me think about today's Twitter question, which is this. Wh- which BYU legend would you like to have a catch or shoot around with? 
So here's, here's some ideas that we've thrown out. And we've had some people weigh in, but we want to hear what you have to say. Hashtag BYUSN. Would you shoot around with Jimmer? Would you surf with Bronco Mendenhall? Would you have a round of golf with Johnny Miller? Run routes with Ty Detmer or Steve, Steve Young? How about luge with Kate Hansen? The luge or, or grow a beard with Brett Kiesel? Use hashtag BYUSN to weigh in. <laughs> You've already done some of those things, Jerem. I guess the one is this. So prior to Jimmer Fredette's senior season, uh, went out to Glens Falls and did this long story on him for True Blue. Went to his house, went to the church, went to the civic center, went to the high school, all that stuff. It was all with re- Jimmer. All with Jimmer. It was very cool to tell his story before others really jumped on that um, for BYU TV. So that was really fun. So the, the cool part, we're in his gym, and I thought, what's better than a, I don't know. It, I thought, you know what, in 20 years it'd be cool to have something notable from this experience. So I decided that I wanted hit Jimmer to assist me on a three-pointer. I missed the first three. I made the second. Nice. In, in his high school. So that was cool. That was cool. So it was fun to see Jimmer again. Well, I know you said, I, I hope he remembers me. And he did. He did. He was a friendly acquaintance. Yeah, I, I was here his, whole, here his whole career, and I'm still here. I don't think you gave yourself enough credit for that, Jerem. You're a big deal. No deal. Big deal. <laughs> no deal. Jerem Jordan. Big deal. BYU Sports Nation airs weekdays live at noon Eastern. And send in your thoughts on Twitter, by the way. What would you do with a BYU legend? The entirety of the Jimmer interview hits around 20 minutes after the hour. Our show always on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Dish Network Channel 980, and as I mentioned, Sirius XM 143. The show on demand at BYURadio.org. Or catch the rebroadcast weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rise and shout, BYU Sports Nation. It's time for What's Trending. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation? Topic one. Great, great expectations. That pass by Carlino. Haas takes it right back and takes it in. Dave McCann on the call there. BYU basketball in 2014 has been quite a ride. The early season highs of a 112-point outburst against Stanford and what turned out to be a very solid road win gave him a 2-0 record. Then you beat Texas on a neutral court. Texas is all of a sudden becoming a force in the Big 12. You compete well with top 20 teams like Iowa State, Wichita State, and UMass. Then you juxtapose that with losses to LMU and Pepperdine. Those losses, when you look at the current RPI rankings, not as bad as they would have been in years past, but still a significant blow to BYU's at-large NCAA tourney hopes. So what team is this? What are they? What should the expectations be? What were they leading in, and what should they be now? From the get-go, expectations were to win a WCC title for the first time. Getting back to the NCAA tournament and winning a game in the big dance. You need goals. BYU accomplished things early on to encourage those aspirations. But now with nine games left in conference and with some unique challenges, Jerem, we reassess what those expectations are and what's likely for BYU basketball. I want to look at the makeup of the roster first off. So before the season, you look at the roster. You can have 13 scholarship players on a team. BYU had 10. I think BYU had 11 last year. They saved a scholarship for Jabari. Didn't get it. They saved a scholarship for Jamal Eights. Didn't get it initially, but he is transferred and has to sit out this year. Chase Fisher is that other scholarship. So there's your other three. So already, you're just missing a couple of players, right? And then the next thing, you're, you're going to rely on a post player 
in Eric Mika, who's extremely talented, a national champion, a great. He's going to be one of the all-time greats in the post at BYU. But he's very young. He's very young. That's a position where you've relied on generally a more experienced guy, a Trent Playstead, a Keena Young, a Brandon Davies, uh, Noah Hartsock a little bit, where Davies was younger, but guess what? You had Jimmer and Jackson and Tyler Hawes that same year. So it hasn't been the same kind of, hey, we need you. And then he gets hurt, and he gets hit in the eye, and things happen. Uh, And then the other thing is that uh, BYU's had this little trickle effect over the past couple of years where a couple of different recruits have come in and didn't contribute in the way that BYU hoped. He had a couple, I mean, look at last year's roster. Two walk-ons, former walk-ons as starters, and then two JC guys. Generally, that wasn't the makeup of the team BYU for BYU previously. And credit those guys for working hard to get to that point. But I think that this team, the the peak would have been getting to the NCAA tournament, and hopefully you win that game. I think that the regression to the mean is probably NIT team given the number of guys you have and how young you are. No seniors as well. And we give this backdrop because today we're, we're examining the current situation, revisiting expectations, so what is what is the peak for this team? Jerem says it's getting to the NCAA tournament and winning a game. I I think that's an I think just an getting there is enough. An appropriate peak. If you win a game in the NCAA Tremendous. tournament, great season. Getting there is so hard, and that's what I'm appreciating more this year is that to get to the NCAA tournament is hard. I know the tournament expanded to 68. There's a bigger opportunity to get there, but it's a challenge. It's a challenge to do what Dave Rose did for six years in a row. First year NIT. And then last year in IT, those are his eight seasons, the six in between, all in the NCAA tournament and all at-large bids. How about that? And that's saying something for Dave Rose. You didn't win the conference tournament one time and you still went to the NCAA tournament six years Not in a even row. with the National Player of the Year. Wow. You got a three-seed as an at-large. That's how good BYU was that year. I'm a glass-half-full guy. Always have been. Always will be. Not necessarily the quote-unquote supreme optimist, but I do have a reserved optimism. I believe BYU can reach their peak this year because they've shown me flashes of brilliance. We have seen them play really solid basketball. We've witnessed it with our own eyes against Iowa State and against Texas and against Stanford. We've seen them perform well in West Coast Conference games on their home floor, dominating teams by an average of 23 points. I'm also not ignorant to the fact that they can underperform because we've seen them do that too. All teams go through ups and downs. The great teams just find a way to win games when they're not at their best. So you're telling me there's a chance. I am always telling yes. you there is a chance for this BYU basketball team. And so we don't want you to confuse our assessing of what's happening right now with what we want to happen. Of course, we are BYU supporters. This is BYU Sports Nation. We love BYU sports. We want to see them succeed. But we try and be, be fair to the fair situation. Fair to the situation, exactly. I, lo- I know you like that phrase, and, and I... Can't think of any better way to say it. So here's what, here's what I'm saying. That the likely scenario for BYU, as we project to the end of the season, is that BYU will go to the NIT. The peak for BYU would be that they have this great run down the stretch, that they figure things out on defense, and that they click, and they go into Vegas with momentum, and they somehow get, they get to the title game, and then maybe they get in that large. That would be a peak. That would be exceeding the current reset expectation. And they can do that. We discussed uh, at length yesterday what it's going to take for BYU to keep at-large hopes alive. And they're growing. They're, getting, they're hoping to get better. Like I'm saying, BYU's undermanned 
and I've ID'd this from the beginning of the season, that it's a growing process. I think that BYU's program uh, is getting better. BYU's young. There's In a couple of seasons, BYU's going to have the most talent they've ever acquired on any single team ever. And Two you years ho- away. And you hope that they can uh, gel, you hope that they stay injury-free, and that they can make some serious runs into the NCAA tournament and do what no BYU teams have ever done. That's the hope. The opportunity is still there for BYU. The likelihood may be a little different, but the opportunity is still there. And that's what you hope for as a fan. That's what you hope for. That's why you watch the games. People say, well, why should I believe in this team? Because you're a fan. Is there anything more important than that? No. They're just not. That's why you watch. You want your team to succeed. That's what makes us fans. And as bad and as you know, hurtful as the lows are for this team, what they feel when they lose games, that's what makes the high so great. There must be an opposition in all things, right? Thank to, you. To understand how good things can be, you, you sometimes you have to go through the lows. And guess what? This isn't that low. No, BYU it's doesn't not have a, a losing low. record. The standard is just really high. Exactly. That you make the NCAA tournament. Bronco Mendenhall understands that perfectly. And that's what he said. He's like, I, I like that the expectation is so high because it gives us big things to shoot for. But when you're winning eight and nine games and people think that that's not where it needs to be, it just shows you the, uh, the expectation level that BYU Sports Nation holds its teams to. Comes with the territory, right? When, you, when you've had such great success. So, BYU basketball trying to reach their peak. It could still happen. But now we look at what they've done in the past to accomplish such great things. What made those teams great? Topic two. Apples to apples. Two Wildcats near Jimmer. This from downtown. Oh, my. my. Double team. He just backed up and said he needed a double team to half court. I'm shooting anyway. That was the last time I saw Jimmer Fredette play in person before last night against Arizona at Energy Solutions Arena, ironically, where the Jazz play. He was playing in a BYU uniform, dropped 33 points in a win over Arizona, and now he's teammates with the star of that Arizona team, ironically enough, Derek Williams. So Jimmer Fredette, watching him last night, sparked an interesting conversation this morning in our production meeting. What made the BYU teams, ones that Jimmer played on, tournament teams, what made them so good? What went into that? And where does BYU's team this year match up with those previous tournament teams, those teams that six years in a row got at-large NCAA tournament bids under Dave Rose? Where is the disconnect? The first thing, obviously, is, oh, BYU had Jimmer Fredette. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at, let's look at other years and principles of the Lee Kamard years. And even the earlier years, a little before that, uh, in the young Dave Rose era, even the last two years that where you haven't had Jimmer Fredette. I think the key has been that you've had... A g- one good post score, so like I mentioned, Playstead, Kena Young, Brandon Davies, Noah Hartsock, uh, and now BYU relies on its youngest guy in that position, Eric Mika, who was asked to do a lot. So you have a young port, uh, a good post score. Then you have great perimeter play that includes lockdown defenders like Jackson Emery and Charles Abuo, and then capable shoot three point shooting guys. Jackson Emery was so good from three. And you had other guys that went off at times, like Steven Rogers. Even Brock Zilstra uh, two years ago at times was a good three-point shooter. You had a couple of guys that could shoot it. Sam Burgess in the early days of Rose. 
And so that's kind of Jimmy that, Balderson. Jimmy, yes, Jimmy Balderson, the pride. Jimmy Balderson, Canadian. <laughs> the, that's sort of what sticks out to me on those teams. And you had veteran leadership. I, the fact that BYU doesn't have any seniors isn't a huge deal to me, but sort of. And and here's the thing: BYU had depth. I talk about the ten man roster. BYU does not have depth on this team currently. They need. They're missing another post scorer, and they're missing another guard. That guard might be Chase Fisher. They had balanced that scoring. That player might be Jamal Aids. Balanced scoring from role players on those teams. You look at the team in 2010 that made all the noise, 2010-2011, and all of them could shoot from the outside. Logan Magnuson. Hit a couple threes against Wofford in the NCAA tournament, even. He's playing the five. Steven Rogers. Kyle, a young Kyle Collinsworth. Charles Abuo. Couldn't shoot it, but contributed. Yes. They had balanced scoring from all areas. So while they had their star player and a creator in Jimmer Fredette, they had guys that could light it up. That game Jimmer's the exception to all rules. Exactly. But when you have when you have balance and you have depth, it just makes a difference. BYU starters are good. Like let's look at what BYU's got now. Let's let's step into the future six years. So when Mika's done, he's one of the best post players BYU's ever had. Haas is probably the all time leading scorer. Carlino is number one in assist. And then Kyle Collinsworth is the all-time stuff stat stuffer. Yes, that's those four guys. They're just a little young. He's you triple have a double potential. You have a sophomore and a freshman in that group. So, when you look at those teams, you compare them to this year's team. BYU has the capability. They just don't have the numbers. They don't have the depth. They don't. And certain guys, like I, I look back a couple of years. So listen to these guys, and they just didn't turn out like BYU'd hoped, either due to injury or inability and transferred or whatever. Chris Collinsworth, oh, he was so good out of high school. Didn't turn out, injured. Demarcus Harrison, awkward awkward mission situation, transferred to Clemson. Steven Rogers, injured. JC All-American. Ian Harward, just didn't turn out. And then last year, like I mentioned, you have two walk-on starters in Cusick and Zilstra. Credit them for working hard, but... BYU was in a situation where they were starting two walk-on, former walk-ons. And then two transfers. Who, tr- who then transferred? Delgado and Ambrosino. So then you're put in a bit of a situation. So in other words, the guys that BYU has brought, have brought in, they didn't always get one or two that contributed greatly, and then you gather, 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 and you keep going. So now BYU's in a 10-man scholarship situation where they have a six-man rotation, essentially. Not saying they can't reach their peak this season. It just makes it that much more difficult. You're missing, the, you're missing two guys, in my mind. You're missing a post scorer and a, and a guard. And had, had BYU cashed in on who they had recruited, this wouldn't have been a problem. But unfortunately, it didn't work out for those individuals. And so BYU's doing the best they can with this group, which is still talented. There's just not, a, not enough depth. I want to know who's going to be the next lockdown defender. Who can it be? Is it Frank Bartley? Is it, is it Anson Winder? We don't know. But there's certainly the talent level that is there. They, they can be coached up to become that. that. BYU has a ton of talent. They just don't have the numbers. Scary that 22 games in, we can't answer that question, though. Jimmer Fredette sounds off on BYU basketball 2013-2014 in about Ten or about five minutes, actually, here on BYU Sports Nation. And when we talked to the legend last night, we got to thinking, who would you most like to have a catch with or shoot around with? Which BYU legend with. would you want to hang out, hang out with? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Zach Brady 7 I play catch, shoot hoops, and throw a baseball around with my pops. Stephen Brady, starting safety in the 80s. I'm good. 
he he caught balls with Steve Young, and, and that would be cool too. That would be cool. At behind three. Riley and faux show. Right, Riley Nelson. And then I said, uh, would you get haircuts together? And he said, uh, I think it was something about a photo shoot. No, it would be a photo shoot. <laughs> Sweet stadium photo shoot together. <laughs> oh, at the real booster one, Steve Young. He has so many different life experiences. What would it be for you? Ty Detmer. And he was, he, was, catch. he was larger than life. I know Jimmer Fredette is your favorite BYU athlete because you lived that whole spectacle. I had to watch that from a distance a little bit. It was a fun uh, experience. In Colorado and California. So I watched that from a distance. It was awesome. But when I was an elementary school kid, it was Ty Detmer for me. He was just, he was the man. He was Tiesman. I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy, and I wanted to be him. When I went out to recess and played football, I wanted to be Ty Detmer. That, that was who I wanted to be. And so it's cool because this show gives us an, an avenue and an opportunity to talk to Ty. We've talked to Ty before. Great person, really nice guy. And I'd still like to throw a football around with Ty Denver and just talk, just shoot the breeze. I think that'd be cool. The, the, one of the best tweets that we've received uh, said, at CougarCast, I'd go bowling with Stephanie Meyer, <laughs> writer of the Twilight series. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> That's great. He said, or I'd take a few fastballs from World Series MVP Jack Morris. But, you know. Uh, either way. I'd go bowling with Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer. Stephanie Meyer. What? Jack Morris. Oh. Team Edward. <laughs> I love social media. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, Jimmer! Our two-on-one interview with the NBA guard. What was his welcome to the NBA moment and what he thinks about BYU basketball this season? We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs. That shakes free again. Oh, man. That's, that's what I hope every BYU Sports Nation fan feels after this show. He got shook! BYU San Diego State, 2011. The greatest sporting event I've ever attended. Really? It was so electric. Oh, man. It was amazing. I was on the baseline shooting with the camera. I compromised the quality of my sports cast that night because I wanted to watch the entire game at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my bosses that in Southern California. No, I, I remember. I was like, I can't Too leave. Too late now. I can't leave. I need to cut Lakers highlights, and I need to do whatever else. For but I cannot Lakers. stop watching BYU San Diego State. And because San Diego is a Southern California school, ask me if there were Jimmer Fredette highlights in my sportscast that night. I bet there were. Yes, there were. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. Follow the show on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. You can also follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Look, we know it's a hard time of year. Some of you need some football and or hoops as you wait for BYU and Pacific on Thursday. So go to the film room on BYUTVSports.com. You can watch 106 different men's basketball games and 129 different football games. It's on BYUTVSports.com slash film room. Break it down. I ought to keep you busy for a little while. Which BYU legend would you like to have a catch with or shoot around with or play a round of golf with? That is our Twitter question today. We're talking BYU heroes, BYU legends. Who do you want to shoot the breeze with while you're participating in some athletic activity? Keep the tweets coming at BYU Sports Nation. Jimmer Fredette visited Salt Lake City last night at Energy Solutions Arena. Four of eight shooting, eight points. 
had a couple of rebounds and a steal, and had some polarizing cheers from the crowd at ESA. We spoke with the BYU legend after the game in the locker room in an all-access two-on-one. Okay, so Jimmer, the other night at Gonzaga, they're chanting, you're not Jimmer, to Tyler Hawes. How does it feel to have that kind of an impact on a fan base when you uh, you had that performance in the NCAA tournament? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, you know, it was a it was a great time that we had, and we you know played a really good game that time, got us to Sweet 16. So, you know, I'm sure the Gonzaga fans remember that, and you know, just want to you know erase it from their memory. But you know, Tyler is a, a great player, and uh, you know, I wish that you know next time he goes up there that he'll shut he'll shut him up. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about, and hopefully he continues to work hard at that. It's been a couple of years. Uh, we haven't caught up with you, so I got to ask you the, this question: When you first signed your contract, what was the first thing you first thing you bought? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I can't even remember. It wasn't anything big. I didn't have any big purchases or anything like that right away. Um, you know, I waited a couple of years to buy a car and to buy you know our house and everything. So I can't even tell you. It was probably some type of clothing or something like that. Probably something for Whitney, actually. So that's probably <laughs> I was what just it was. Say, it's probably Whitney. Uh, how has it been managing? married life and and playing in the NBA uh, no it's been great I mean she's a she's my rock and she's a, my support system and I'm able to come home to her no matter what whether you have a good day a bad day it doesn't matter everything is the same at home and uh, you know you come home to that love and it's been it's been really really good for me to have that and uh, you know when you go through ups and downs you know, she's always there and making you happy so it's it's been really really good what's the biggest challenge about playing in the NBA um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of challenges. You just gotta, you know, you obviously are on the road a lot, and you have played tons of games. You gotta mentally prepare for 82 games in a season and preseason games and everything. So there's a lot of stuff uh, that's that's tough about being in the NBA. And you know, like I said, you just gotta keep an even keel and try to, you know, keep your head as much as you can because you're gonna go through good times, bad times, and uh, you gotta make sure to keep a level head and even keel so that you don't get too high, too low because um, the next one's coming really quickly, so you got to be ready for it. What was your welcome to the NBA moment where you thought, wow, I'm, I'm really here, I'm guarding this guy, or I'm in this venue? I mean, the first game that I played, we played against the Lakers, and, you know, Kobe Bryant was guarding me, and, you know, so one of the best players of all time was on you, and, you know, so that was a welcome to the NBA right there. You just you just got to go out and compete and try not to be starstruck and, and uh, go out there and, and do what you can. What happened, what happened in that moment? <laughs> you know, I just you know just played basketball. You know, I had a, a decent game. You know, for the first game, didn't play a ton, but you know, I think I had six points and played decent. So um, you know, it was fun. It was fun to be able to do that. What's been the biggest challenge for you transitioning your game from the college to the, the NBA scene? Uh, you just gotta, you know, know that the players are bigger, more athletic. So you just have to, you know, find your shots sometimes in different ways um, than you did in college. So you just you figure it out on the fly. But uh, you know, you just go out and, and, and be aggressive and and uh, take what the defense gives you. That's the best best thing that you can do. Try not to force anything, and know that um, guys are closing to you a lot quicker. So you just gotta be aggressive. How fun is it to have Brandon Davies in the league? Oh, it's great. I'm so happy for Brandon. Obviously, he's worked extremely hard. He had a great career at BYU. Uh, one of my best friends and uh, it's awesome to be able to see him, you know, whether he comes to SAC or I'm going to, uh, to Philly. So it's always a good time to be able to see him, and I'm really happy for him, stay in touch with him, and tell him to keep going, keep working hard. So it's, it's, it's awesome to have a couple Cougars in the league. Who do you text the most of your former teammates? 
uh, Jackson. <laughs> I talk to Jackson quite often. Um, but, uh, you know, I stay in contact with a lot of guys. You know, pretty much everybody I'm able to, to talk with and see. Um, you know, so it's awesome to be able to see them and, uh, you know, have lifelong friends. And I, I want to keep those relationships going. Jimmer Fredette, two-on-one, all-access in the locker room after the Kings Jazz game last night. Uh, very, very accommodating basketball player. And, Jerem, for those that did not hear your story, you, you have a relationship with him because you went to his hometown and did a story on him before it hit all the national press. I mean, there, there, was, there were inklings of it and some, some outside stories because he had won an NCAA tournament game. BYU had gotten to the second round in his junior year. But when he came back for his senior year, that's when BYU TV and you really decided to profile what he was all about. We were scheduled to broadcast the Vermont uh, game in Glens Falls. That didn't end up happening, <clears throat> but uh, that's why I ended up going out there. So August 2010, went out there, went to his house. We're in his backyard. He's wearing the gloves that his brother made him bounce with. All the stories you had heard. We didn't go to the prison, but we went to the church, went to his high school gym, went all over the town, talked to different people about him, talked to him and his family in their house. And so got to know Jimmer and his family, and that was really fun and uh, was an enjoyable experience for me to get to know him and kind of see him flourish in that senior year. So to be able to talk to him again, uh, in the NBA, that was that was cool because BYU fans are huge Jimmer fans, obviously, and want him to succeed. And right now, he's not in a great situation. Uh, his skill set is such that he's a great shooter. He needs the ball in his hands, so in a sense, he's sort of a needy player. Uh, but what NBA players aren't? Um, but it's you know it's tough for a six-two white kid to make it in the NBA. The fact that he's there is pretty good. So hopefully, he gets into a situation where he can thrive. Uh, and become a good role player in the NBA. I'm not sure he's a starter in the NBA at any point, but good luck to Jimmer. And like we've talked about, extremely polarizing. The boos and the cheers when he comes in, especially in Salt Lake. I hope he finds a good fit. Yeah, he, Sacramento's not that it's just not That is not the right team for him to be on. What is the right team? I, I don't know. I'd love to for him to play on the Knicks. And he would love that. The, Going back to New his York, home state. Oh, fantastic. And that's a, place, that's a place that, that they like to push the ball. They like to shoot the three. I mean, that, that's what Jimmer does. Yeah. He's a scorer. It's a scoring mentality team. See Carmelo Anthony if uh, you, you need more evidence. A selfish team. <laughs> 62 points, no assist, baby. <laughs> Who cares? It's in New York. Uh, I, I was thinking about something when we were talking to him. That, by the way, that's the first time I've, I've been able to, like, Talk to Jimmer because you were gone this the whole time, gone for six years away, and so I watched all of his progression and that crazy run to the Sweet Sixteen from a distance. I remember this is how crazy it was. I was I was covering the largest tennis tournament in the world in the galaxy outside of the four majors. Oh, it's called the BNP Paribas Open. I'm eating lunch or uh, a late late lunch, sitting next to Novak Djokovic. Yes. In the lunchroom, in the players' lunchroom, watching Jimmer Fredette play against New Mexico in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Mm. The number one ranked men's tennis player in the world is sitting to my right, and I am focused solely on what Jimmer is doing on this crappy TV with a crappy <laughs> picture. And I'm like, it, did it go in? Did the ball go in? He goes off for 52. So I, that's like cele- celebrity status for me. So I, I try really hard not to feel like a, a fan. But last night, because that was the first time, I was like, wow, I kind of feel like a fan. And I, that doesn't happen with you because you've interviewed uh, some of the greats of, of golf and tennis and Palm Springs and yes, NBA and NFL. But, and, you know. and, and those were awesome moments. Those were, those were moments that I love. 
but but like you're you right. Did, you did an interview with Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas at the same time. At the same time, that's amazing. <laughs> just you, not in a group, just you. Which was fun, and it's one of my favorite moments. And I've interviewed Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer, and I've met a lot of really famous people. But last night, I was I was a fan just for a minute, and I and I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. And last night we saw Chad Lewis, Robbie Bosco, Tom Homo, Dave Rose. They were all there uh, to watch Jimmer play in Salt Lake. Jimmer Fredette scores eight points on four of eight shooting. You just heard our two-on-one all-access locker room interview with him, the Sacramento Kings guard. Okay. I was going to ask you before before we move on, Jeremy. Your favorite Jimmer moment. Favorite Jimmer moment. That's tough because there's so many. Um, probably the highlight we heard earlier where he crossed over Billy White uh, two times and then put up a shot. And then I believe right after that play, a timeout was called, and he beat his chest really hard. Um, and we used that highlight a lot that year. Because BYU TV was not doing 20. We did five games that year, and we weren't doing rebroadcast. So I loved that. So we milked that. We did an hour-long special prior to the Mountain West Conference Tournament called Amazing, featuring Jimmer, and the whole show was about him and everything. And the university wanted to make sure that that was kind of a team show. Yeah, it wasn't a team show. <laughs> it was all about Jimmer. <laughs> I was not going to make it uh, not about Jimmer. That was my favorite moment. Couple of, couple of tweets. Let's go back to the Twitter machine really quick. Tweet, tweet. This is coming in from Matt Lasersheep. This isn't in regard to uh, hanging out with a BYU hero, but what he said is, thank you for the lesson on fandom. Some of those things needed to be said. Can you teach... In my ward. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm busy this Sunday and the next eight Sundays. <laughs> that is funny. Okay. We will continue to teach from the pulpit of BYU Radio. Yes, that we will do. This from at I do rock the Y. In football and basketball, also in regard to our expectations conversation during What's Trending. In football and basketball, BYU always looks forward to the coming talent. How has that worked? You've got to be a fan of BYU now it's both you have to be a, primarily a fan of BYU now but all, you can get excited about the future because that will become the now yeah i i agree you're right it's more about now than the future but the future is exciting too let's the enjoy the moment sometimes the future is more exciting than now if, if now's not good enjoy the moment and then hope for the best you're looking forward to that vacation in the summer because right now you're sitting in the cubicle and it's not so fun like that's <laughs> what that's like right well played up next on byu sports nation We go all access with the head coach of the Pacific Tigers, Ron Verlin. How important is perimeter defense in the West Coast Conference? He joins us next to answer that question. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out live in Studio 2. BYU Broadcasting is where we get it done. Did you miss BYU Sports Nation live or re- a rebroadcast on BYU Radio? No worries. The show's on demand for live streaming each afternoon on BYURadio.org slash sportsnation. That's BYURadio.org slash sportsnation. Another solid episode of True Blue last night as well. Did you see our behind the scenes? I did see it. Story? I'm talking to you and the <laughs> listeners, I suppose. I, uh, did, I did see that. If yeah. you haven't, uh, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Yeah. 
It's on YouTube. You can check it out behind the scenes. Have you ever wondered what at Ben Bags looks like? You can see that uh, on YouTube. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm getting the stare down right now. <laughs> oh, we're, wow. He's, he's got, got that voice, My though. soul just got crushed with a look. He's got that voice. I am in trouble. I better leave. <laughs> no, please don't leave. <laughs> Which BYU legend would Is you the Oracle coming? most no. like to have a catch or shoot around with, play around to golf with, whatever, throw a football around with? Keep your tweets you coming. Didn't, you didn't ask me this question. Okay. Besides Jimmer. Besides Jimmer. Because you've already done that. You've already shot around. You already I got wanna, assisted by Jimmer. I want to throw a halfback toss to Steve Young, and I want him to dance into the end zone like he beat Missouri <laughs> again. That's what I want. Which, by the way, Michael Steven Young... Scheduled for tomorrow That's on right. BYU Sports Nation. That would be his third appearance Bringing on the show. Bringing him back. He said he missed us last time. I wonder if he misses us again. He missed our musk. <laughs> I miss you! <laughs> the head coach of the Pacific Tigers, his name is Ron Verlin. He joins BYU Sports Nation. Coach, your team begins the season with wins at tough road places such as Nevada and Utah State but have struggled in West Coast Conference play. What specific challenges has the WCC given you as your Pacific team has made the transition to a new conference? Well, first off, I'd like to play in the Mountain West Conference. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're yes. 3-0 in the Mountain West. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, the WCC Conference is extremely tough. And I think what, what has been one of our major challenges, we got nine new opponents this year. And um, teams we really haven't played much, although we've played a little bit of Santa Clara and USF because they've been close. But it's been nine new, you know, nine new teams to get ready for. Well, like most of the time when you're in league play, see, in the past years in the Big West, we knew how Long Beach or Santa Barbara, we knew how they're going to play. They had the same coaches for the last, you know, ten or twelve or sometimes even fifteen years. So this has been a quick study and a lot of new. You learn how to play teams over time, and it's been hard on us, no question. Nineteen years in a, as an associate head coach, first year. Uh, as the head coach, what have you learned about yourself and your program as you've begun this new adventure in the conference? Well, that's a great question. I think the first thing I've, I've learned is that the, those those eighteen or nineteen inches you move over, they say it's a tough it's it's a tough slide. Um, you know, you learn that uh, everything comes through you now. That instead of having maybe fifteen things in an assistant coach, now you have forty five or fifty things as a head coach, and the kind of the buck stops with you. So. You, as a 19 years of being an assistant coach, you, you you want to get in that chair. Then you get in the chair, and it's a it's a pretty big chair to fill. So, but it's been great. We got a bunch of great young guys, and and they're working really hard. And and um, I'm loving the move and the in the transition. So, so I think that's what I learned about myself. And also, we're learning as we go on how tough and how good and the WCC conference really is. Ron Verlin, the head coach of the Pacific Tigers, joining BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Ron, the West Coast Conference right now, in terms of the country, is the best three-point shooting conference in America. Your team went 7-for-14 in a win over Pepperdine. BYU has had trouble defending the three-point shot. How important is understanding that concept and, and moving forward to, to getting wins in the WCC? Well, I think it's real important. I mean, we've had really a tough time defending the 3-2. I mean, St. Mary's, we play them twice. They make 13 and they make 11. Uh, so we've had a really tough time defending the three as well. So I think uh, you're right. The WCC has some very good shooters. We've had to adjust a little bit about what we're doing defensively. And um, we've, we've played not near, not much zone at all. Like we used to play a lot in the Big West. We have not played much. And we've had to get out and close out on guys like what we would call a shooter-shooter. Where a lot of times in the Big West, you're closing out on guys that are more drivers. So 
a lot of good shooters in this conference and a lot of guys making threes. And, and I feel like, I'm sure Coach Rose does, it seems like everyone's making threes against us. Is the key playing man-to-man defense? I don't think that's the key because I think you can play man and zone and you can mix it up and keep uh, people off balance. You know what I mean? I really do. Uh, I think it's one, we've got really good coaches in this league and we've got some guys that can really shoot it. And then you get some four men, you know, um, that can stretch the, stretch the court out. So it makes it really, really tough to guard. You have a lot of balance among your players. Uh, Taku, Bach, Gil, Rivera, all averaging uh, double figures. I guess Rivera at 9.9. He's almost there. Uh, if the... If the game goes down to the wire, who gets the last shot? Well, great question. I mean, Taku's had a lot. Uh, Bach's been unbelievable. He hits the shot to beat Nevada, so he's been he's been great with the ball in his hands late in games. He's done a great job, and and Sama's really good at you know fifteen to seventeen feet. But Tony's our best. Tony or Rivera, our best three point shooter. So if we need a three. You know, obviously you look to those guys. Um, you know, or you know, like I said, if we're getting to the baskets, come, probably comes to one of our guards. If it does come down to a last-second shot, will you motion to us and let us know what you're going to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever I can do to help <laughs> the BYU Nation, hey, that's, that's all about, right? Ron Verlin, the head coach of the Pacific Tigers, joining BYU Sports Nation. Coach, you have some family ties in head coaching positions. Uh, walk us through the, the family line and how you and your twin brother both ended up in head coaching positions. Yeah, it's pretty unique. I mean, um, I think Don, you know, and I don't know the exact year, but Don was with Coach Morrill at Utah State for 15 seasons, and, and I was with Coach Thomason here for 19 seasons. So I think the first thing, when we got into Division One in college coaching, we were able to get to be with really, really good head coaches that were great family guys and really, really good coaches, and we were able to learn a lot from those two men, and then we were able to, you know, Don left uh, you know, Logan and went to Moscow, and um, Idaho, not there. Russia. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I think it feels like Russia for him, though. <laughs> <laughs> In Western Idaho. So, but and then you learn from those guys, and then and then Bob, I was here for 19 years, and we obviously had great battles with Utah State, and and because when they were in the Big West, and then when he decided to retire, I was able to take over. So, yeah, it's been awesome, and it's it's great having a, a brother's head coach because you can bounce a lot of the same ideas off of them, and we have you know obviously have this, a lot of the same issues as you go through, whether it's you know you can talk about you know players and how you're handling players or you know uh, upcoming opponents. Probably the only thing we don't talk much about is recruiting. So who's the better coach? Oh, absolutely I am. I mean, no question. (laughs) Do you talk to him at all about BYU since Utah State has played BYU with regularity in the past? You know, I haven't. And that's a great, you know, I haven't. Now, um, I know Utah State played, you know, BYU early in the year. We watched that game and um, because we had played Utah State. You know, BYU played, then we played Utah State. So we we talked. uh, But no, I haven't talked to Don a lot about that in the last week or two. I mean, he's been having a tough little go up there, so he's been grinding himself a little bit. So, no, I sure have not talked to Don. Ron Verlin, the head coach of the Pacific Tigers basketball team, joining BYU Sports Nation here with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Coach, you have a daunting task playing at the Marriott Center. BYU is 8-1 and one on their home floor. Their only loss came against a ranked Iowa State team by two. What does your team have to do specifically to come in here and uh, get a win, something that not a lot of West Coast Conference teams can do? Yeah. Well, I think number one thing is you got to do a good job of getting back on defense, and you got to stop their transition or slow their transition game. And then on the offensive end, we got to take great shots. We're going to have to move the ball, take great shots, grind the clock a little more than what we would like to, but we're going to have to slow the tempo of the game a little bit, and, and we're going to have to make some shots, and we're going to have to shoot the ball 
pretty darn well to beat them in at their house. And um, so um, those are probably our two main keys, one being on offense and one being on defense. Does one of BYU's losses stick out as a game that you could try and use as a template for victory? You know, not really. I mean, we obviously you watch the games they played this weekend over Gonzaga and Portland, and and um, you know the Portland game was a heck of a ball game. I mean, Chad Haas went crazy in that game. I mean, uh, what an unbelievable game! Uh, looked like both teams had the game in hand, and then they both, you know, what I mean, one just went back and forth. So, not really any one game. You know, um, you know, we did look hard at the Lyle Marymount game early in the year. You know, seeing how they defended them, and and I know it was the first, uh, it was one of the first two league games there. And so we looked hard at that game. We definitely looked hard at that game. But there's no one game that I think that's, um, you know, that's, hey, this is how we play. And that's been unique for us because we play a little bit different style than some of the teams in the league. And so we've been kind of caught. BYU and Gonzaga and Portland have real big guys. And then it seems like Marymont and, and, um, and Santa Clara are quick and more athletic, and we're kind of caught in the middle. You know what I mean? We're not real fast athletic. We got guys who are six seven, six eight. So we're gonna to have to adjust our recruiting to get better in this conference. Coach Ron Verlin, the man in charge of the Pacific Tigers men's basketball program, joining BYU Sports Nation. Coach, how would you describe your team this year as you head into the BYU game? What uh, what's the scouting report on the Tigers? Well, uh, the Tigers obviously we're an experienced team. We went to the NCAA tournament last year. We do have seven seniors back, um, so we are very experienced and. When they're playing, we got good depth, and we haven't been playing great uh, here as of late. But uh, when we're playing, like it wins over Utah State or Nevada or Fresno, we had great depth. We had great. We're very evenly balanced. We're a balanced team. And so we can hurt you in different ways. And like I said, we can play to about 11 deep. So, um, But lately, since we've got in the conference, we've really struggled being real consistent. We've shot the ball very poorly from the two and very poorly from the three. So the last two games, it seemed to rise a little bit. We've got to get back on track and shoot the ball well and, and defend our basket. Well, Coach, when I was a teenager, I went to a BYU basketball game in the season where BYU won just one game. It was against <laughs> The win was against Utah State. So your brother might have been uh, an assist coach on the bench. But the game was against Pacific, and one Michael Olawakandi was a... Uh, it was the year before he was drafted, number one overall. And that's all that's I remember Mike about Pacific. <laughs> so Thursday night Mike, should be fun. Pacific back in the Marriott Center. Yeah, Mike was a junior that year. There yeah, you go. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. I was on that staff and with that team. So, yeah. So I waved at you. You don't remember. 96, 97. That was that <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. We will come yeah. and reintroduce ourselves. Jeremy will for sure uh, when you come to the Marriott Center on Thursday night. Coach Ron Verlin of the Pacific Tigers joining BYU Sports Nation. We appreciate the time, the good humor, and uh, we'll see you down the road, Coach. All right. Thanks a million. Coming up, is it still a slow ascent in the polls for BYU men's volleyball? It has been. Or do they take a major leap this week in the ABCA rankings? Find out next in the Cougar Whip Around. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Taysom Hill and the BYU Cougars nearing football season. Countdown to Connecticut. 212. That's right, 212 days. We're it, gonna... it is like almost here. I wonder if Steve Young's going to be at that game in person in Connecticut. The man from Connecticut. You know what time it is, Jeremy? It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. 
Cougars in the association. Jimmer Fredette scored eight points in 19 minutes in a loss to the Jazz last night. We interviewed him after the game. If you missed it earlier, check it out on demand or on BYU Radio tonight, 7 Eastern. Cougars in the NFL. Former BYU football player Vic Soto signed a reserve slash future contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. Not really sure what that means, but he's still in the NFL. Men's volleyball. I will also sign you to a reserve slash future contract. Thank you. Thank you. After wins over Stanford and Pacific, BYU moved up to number four in the ABCA rankings. Three spots. The Cougars play at number three Pepperdine and number five Southern California this week. Golf. Number 38, BYU. Fourth place after day one at the Arizona Collegiate in Tucson. Justin Kiley is at one under after two rounds. Friend of the program, Joe Parkinson, is at two over and in a tie for 10th. Tomorrow, Steve Young, scheduled to be on the show. Excited to talk to Steve for the third time, which reminds me, he was an eighth-string quarterback. Then he learned to throw. (laughs) NFL Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, well, all sorts of things to talk about with Steve Young. Who gets On our Super rise- Bowl week. Who gets a rising shout today? Who do you think? I don't know. Jim Murfordette? Absolutely he gets it. You're wearing his jersey. I am wearing his jersey. Uh, I say Jim Murfordette because uh, someone I knew, their little niece, uh, like three years old, thought his name was Jim, and then last name was Murfordette. <laughs> Jim Murfordette. <laughs> that is not true. It's so true. Seriously? Yeah. He gets our rising shout today. Jim Murfordette. It's like Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Yes, BYU at Middle Tennessee. The countdown is up. Oh, we don't have that one. <laughs> Which BYU legend would you like to have a catch or shoot around with? Play around and golf with? Whatever. We go back to the Twitter machine. You've got tweets. Bird noises, Jerem? Ah! Thank you. I was waiting for that. At Bridger Hill. The real number two, Craig Cusick and Johnny H13, Johnny Harleen, two Orem High and BYU greats. Now, the later conversation on that, they're actually, Johnny said, we can make that happen. Awesome. So that's being set up, it looks like. At I Do Rock the Y, Wally Joyner. Baseball great. Great baseball player from BYU. I love it. Did he play for the Anaheim Angels, the California Angels, or just the Angels? Or the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? He did not play for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Yes, we'll, we'll have to go back in the archive see which team name it was. At Laser Sheep says, To have a catch with Taters, Taysom Hill, would be a dream come true. He has already had that big of an impact on me as a fan. A close second would be throwing passes to Austin Colley. I love throwing the deep ball, and I heard that dude can catch. That's good. I have to go back to I Do Rock the Y. So on Friday night against Stanford, there was a guy in the stands with a kind of a cheap, flimsy whiteboard, and he was writing the service aces. So Steve Vale and I were uh, just having some fun with him. Saying, dude, you're on national TV. It was taking a while to put it on there and turn it around and show it. He didn't know he was on camera. But we were like, dude, you're on national TV. Hurry up. Hurry up. Turn it around. That was at I Do Rock the Y. No way. BYU Sports. Yeah. So he tweeted later that night some of the quotes that we had about him. So good, good, uh, good humored BYU Sports Nation fan. Yes. Way to bring it at around. I Do Rock the Y. Nice stuff. Okay. More tweets. Could I? This, this coming from one of our, uh, our PAs. At Alan Miller. 
Could I catch the Grammys with at Dan Reynolds, hashtag Imagine Dragons? Yes. It's almost as good as bowling with Stephanie Meyer, right? <laughs> at Spencer King 14. <laughs> I want to hate on Ute fans with Max Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end the show on that. Thanks for our guests today, Jimmer Fredette and Pacific Head Coach Ron Verlin and everyone on our crew, Ben Bagley, the producer, Senior Coordinating Producer Michael Miner, Station Manager Don Chaline, Production Assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, and Engineer A.A. Ron Evans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation for show links and much more. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at BYURadio.org. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Jim or freaking for debt.